From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, it's a privilege for me to be able to be speaking to your church today on this Pentecost Sunday. And I want to say thank you to your pastor for the opportunity and also to you for allowing me into your living room or maybe to your car if you're at a drive-in service today, wherever you are watching from. Uh, Just briefly, let me tell you that we have a ministry that helps other uh, Christian and Messianic ministries in Israel. And also we fund a number of special projects and humanitarian aid uh, projects there as well. You can find out about us on our website, firstcenturyfoundations.com, and you can also follow us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, But today, we're going to talk about the person in the Godhead that we know as the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we believe in the Trinity, that God is three distinct personalities in one, God the Father, uh, God the Son, who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit three in one. And so today, maybe you're not a Christian, you're watching, and you're wondering, what does this have to do with me? Well, even if you don't believe in God, maybe you've wondered about God at some point, I want you to know that it is the Holy Spirit who the Bible tells us is the one who draws us to God and who reveals the truth about God to us. So hang in there. Maybe a light will come on for you today. Maybe you're someone who says, well, I'm spiritual. I'm not really religious. Well, just know this. There are really only two kinds of spirits that influence us, evil spirits and the Holy Spirit. And so it's possible you might just want to learn a little bit and know more about the Holy Spirit today. Well, today is what we call Pentecost Sunday. And as Pentecostals, this day is significant for us. But what if I told you the significance is much greater than what many of us have understood regarding the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on those gathered there. This is some of what we want to look at this morning. And so I'd ask you, wherever you are, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to begin to read at verse 1 and just read about four verses today. But here's what it says in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came. Now, just stop there for a moment. Let's stop for a moment. Why did this day already have a name if the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out? We associate Pentecost with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the day of Pentecost with the same. But but here is some history that some of you may know, but maybe some of you don't. You see, very quickly, in the Old Testament, God had given the children of Israel instructions about a number of feasts that they were to observe. Four in the spring, three in the fall. And we don't have time to talk about all of those today, but suffice it to say this, they are all extremely important occasions that not only mark a significant event or symbolize a posture of the heart and recognition of God's hand at work through the Jewish people, but they also point to a future day of fulfillment through the Messiah. Many of them have an agricultural basis based on times of harvest. And so the first three spring feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, 
had all been fulfilled with the coming of Jesus or the coming of Yeshua and his death and burial and resurrection. That's another teaching for another time. The fourth spring feast is called by the Hebrew name Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks. And this was another harvest feast uh, around the barley harvest. And it involved counting off seven weeks plus a day or 50 days from the first day after the Sabbath following the Passover. And the Greek name for Shavuot was Pentecost, which literally means 50. So picture this. The disciples had gone back to Jerusalem after Jesus had ascended from the Mount of Olives into heaven, back to the upper room where they began to follow Jesus' instruction to wait. And while they waited, the text says that they joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Jesus appeared to his disciples, remember, for 40 days after his resurrection, leaving 10 more days until the Feast of Shavuot or Pentecost would come. And during these 10 days, the disciples and others waited. They waited. Now, I was wondering, what were they doing while they waited? What did they talk about? I know, of course, that they prayed, but did they also perhaps discuss the things that Jesus had taught them? Were they pondering what their next steps should be or would be? Were all of the lights beginning to come on now and the truths that Jesus had shared with them now becoming clear? Well, I'm not sure that everything was becoming crystal clear, but I think that it's important for us to note that they did have some key pieces to the puzzle. They knew the mission, go into all the world. And they knew the message, the gospel, or the good news that God is salvation, that Jesus saves. And they knew the strategy, they knew the method. They were to preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything that Jesus had taught them. But there was one more piece that eluded them. Something was missing, something that they hadn't really been given yet. And that is why Jesus said to them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, the gift of the promised Holy Spirit. So let's go back to the text for just a moment. Acts 2 again, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So remember, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, Luke wasn't referring to the event of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because it hadn't happened yet. But he was referring to the Jewish feast that the disciples and all of the other Jewish followers of Jesus would be observing and celebrating, along with Jews from all over the world. And that's why they were all together. They were, uh, they were celebrating Shavuot, or Pentecost, in the upper room, just as they had celebrated Passover there with Jesus a few weeks before. And this is important. Jesus had told them to wait 
for the person of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, they had also been waiting for a day to arrive. They were doing something called counting the Omer, which is a a measurement of grain or barley, until Pentecost came. There was some significance to this idea of counting. It indicated suspense that was building. Something was coming, and each day they would recite a prayer and say a blessing. You see, something very significant happened at the giving of the law or the Ten Commandments or the Torah. And this was the event that Shavuot commemorates. The Israelites were given in that moment the very words of God. They heard the voice of God. And so each time they counted the Omer as they were counting down in hope and anticipation that something very significant would happen again just like it had on the day the law was given. How interesting that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened on the exact same day as this observance of the feast of Shavuot. Why is it interesting? Well, quickly, here's a few more details about about the feast. As we've noted, Shavuot commemorated the giving of the law or the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Here's another little interesting fact. Tradition says that it took the children of Israel 50 days to reach Sinai after the Exodus, after the first Passover. Another fact, on the day the law was given in Exodus chapter 19 and 20, a few very significant things happened. Uh, A trumpet was sounded that grew louder and louder. Uh, The mountain was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Smoke billowed, the Bible says, and the mountain literally trembled. And then it says, God answered by a voice. In Exodus 19, verse 19, and again in 20, verse 18, it says that when the people saw the thunder, the King James Version there says the word thunderings, there is a hint here that they could actually see the voice of God speaking, that they could see the sound waves emanating from the mountain. From rabbinic tradition, a Jewish commentary called the Midrash, in a book called Rabbah 5 and verse 9, it says, When God gave the Torah on Sinai, he displayed untold marvels to Israel with his voice. He spoke and the voice reverberated throughout the whole world. It says there also that all the people witnessed the thunderings. That means they, they saw them with their eyes. Uh, World-famous Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakkai, also in the Midrash, says, God's voice as it was uttered, remember he's talking about the, the law being given on Sinai, God's voice as it was uttered split up into 70 voices in 70 languages so that all the nations should understand. Wow. And here's one more quote from the Midrash about the giving of the law. Uh, from a book called Shemot Rabbah, which means Great Exodus, says the children of Israel not only heard the Lord's voice, but actually saw the sound waves as they emerged from the Lord's mouth. They visualized them, get this, they visualized them as fiery substance. Now on that day that the law was given, what else happened? Do you remember? Well, there was rebellion. The children of Israel came to Aaron when Moses was on the mountain and asked him to make them a golden calf, and they began to to revel and worship this calf. And because of the sin of idolatry that day in Exodus 32, the judgment of God was that about 3,000 people 
died. 3,000 people. Now, think about this. Here are the elements uh, that we glean from that information about Shavuot, about the first giving of the law. There was wind. Uh, there was fire present. There was loud noise, the trumpet that got louder and louder. There were different languages. And this number, 3,000 people. Now, does any of that remind you of anything? See, what was happening on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, God was fulfilling the feast of Shavuot with the coming of the Holy Spirit that Jesus, that Yeshua, had promised. Now, instead of only the letter of the law that brings death, Romans 7 and verse 5, this would be further enhanced by the Spirit who brings life, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. And the signs of fulfillment are all here. A rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house. What seemed to be tongues of fire that settled over every person. And then they began to speak in other tongues, which in this case turned out to be understandable languages. And the living word was preached on this day. The law was given on Mount Sinai. Today, the living word of God, the truth about Jesus, the Logos, was preached. And here's the other thing, 3,000 people received eternal life, came to know Yeshua, Jesus, as their Messiah on that day. Now, that's just incredibly coincidental. Or it is the actual fulfillment of the Feast of Shavuot that was happening. So there's your background information. Now quickly, let's look at what does this mean for us today and answer a few key questions, okay? First of all, this thought, the Holy Spirit with us, the Holy Spirit with us, that means he's accessible now. And here's the question, who has access? Well, what happened on the day of Pentecost was a, a watershed event in the history of the world because what happened in the upper room in Jerusalem to those 120 people gathered there waiting for the promised Holy Spirit was something that had never happened before. You see, before in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was referenced at creation and then after that would only rest on certain individuals at certain times for very specific tasks. Exodus 31, verses 2 and 3. God says, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. This was for the preparation for the building of the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. The Holy Spirit also came upon people in the Old Testament who filled a certain office or task, namely prophets, priests, and kings. Numbers 11 and 25 says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with him, with Moses. And he took of the spirit that was on Moses, and he put the spirit on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. Then when Samuel anointed Israel's first king, King Saul, he told him a number of things, including what we read in 1 Samuel 10 and verse 6. He said, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. But in the Old Testament, if you weren't a prophet or a priest or a king or uh, you hadn't been specifically selected by God for a specific task, the Holy Spirit was not accessible to you. And that's why the day of Pentecost was so significant. 
because that day signaled the beginning of the Holy Spirit being poured out on everyone. All who were in the upper room were filled. Peter would later say that Joel's prophecy that stated that God in the last days would pour out his spirit on all people was being fulfilled on this very day. In verse 4 of Acts 2, it says, All of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. But even more than that was happening. Yes, the Holy Spirit was poured out for everyone and became accessible in that very general sense, but the Holy Spirit was also being given to individuals in a very personal way. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit then uh, doesn't just mean the Holy Spirit uh, with us. It means the Holy Spirit in me. It's a personal experience. And, And again, we ask the question, well, how do we experience this? In Acts 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now think about all who were in the room that day. The disciples, of course, but the text tells us that there were many more followers of Jesus in the room, about 120 according to verse 15 of Acts chapter 1. And these tongues of fire, it says, settled on each of them. There was one for each of them individually. And it also says that everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just the special people, uh, not just the disciples, or even just the ones who had been following Jesus for a certain or specific length of time, but each of them, everyone present was filled. The mother and brothers of Jesus were filled, along with others, including other women, it says in Acts 1 and 14. And likely these were some, if not all of the women mentioned in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, who had been delivered from evil spirits by Jesus. Now they're receiving the Holy Spirit. Also of note would be Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, who very likely could have been present. And I mentioned the women in particular for this reason, because women in those days were looked on as as chattel, as property, uh, more the level of a servant or a slave. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on them just like everyone else. Everyone individually was included. And the pouring out of the Spirit had its impact on them. They, they all spoke in other languages, in another tongue as the Spirit enabled them. Now remember, the speaking in tongues was not the gift. In this case, it was only the sign or the evidence of a greater gift, a total transformation that was taking place inside of them. Uh, this timid group who were waiting in the upper room wondering, what now? were now suddenly causing quite a stir. And there were those who were there staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from all over the world, and they were amazed and perplexed, the Bible says, that these Jesus followers were speaking to them in their own language the wonderful works of God. For a great example of this personal transformation of the Holy Spirit in a life, we need to look no farther than Peter. Remember Peter? Compulsive Peter, you know, jump out of the boat, Peter. Peter, who had moments of great spiritual insight, like, uh, you know, when he said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, 
who also lobbed off the high priest's servant's ear in a misguided attempt to protect Jesus. Peter, who also, also bragged openly that he would die with Jesus and never deny him. And then the very next day, swore up and down that he didn't know him. Yeah, that Peter. Now remember that Luke is writing to Theophilus this second letter, a follow-up to the book of Luke. And the last time Luke mentioned Peter was immediately after he had denied Jesus. And so in Luke's writing, the contrast is dramatic. Peter before was often compulsive, misguided, and erratic, although for the most part well-intentioned. And after his three denials of Jesus, his eyes had locked with the eyes of Jesus in an overwhelming moment of realization. And Peter had gone out and wept bitterly. That was the end of the book of Luke. Now, the beginning of Acts, we come to Luke's next mention of Peter in Acts 2, and he is almost unrecognizable. Before, Peter had been bullied by a servant girl and a couple other bystanders into a complete denial of Jesus Christ. And now, look at verse 14 of Acts 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, and he raised his voice and then addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. See, this was nothing short of a total transformation in the life of Peter. The Holy Spirit in him had made a remarkable difference. Suddenly he was bold and confident. Suddenly he stepped forward and took charge. Suddenly he had authority and he had something meaningful to say. Well, this is what it means to be included in the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit in me. You see, without the Holy Spirit, Peter was just a man who's doing his best, struggling along to be the kind of person that Jesus wanted him to be, much like we do. And that was fine and everything, but but he struggled in his own strength. And he was timid and he drew back from the challenge. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter was transformed from coward to courageous. And he stood unapologetically with great confidence in front of thousands that day to speak. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit in him that made the difference. Later, the great apostle Paul talked about the power of the Spirit and the difference that it made in his preaching. He said in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 4, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, to make us bold, to make us courageous, to make us confident as we share with others the truth about Jesus and we live the Spirit-filled life before them. He wants to do that, but he wants to do so much more than that as well. And that brings me to this last thought, and that is the Holy Spirit through us, the Holy Spirit working through us. And the question is, why is this experience important to you and me? Well, Acts 2, 14 to 16 says, you know, Peter is speaking. He says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this was what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Peter not only addresses the crowd with newfound confidence because of the transforming work of the Spirit in him, He also now suddenly has incredible clarity 
and insight because of the Holy Spirit working and speaking through him. You see, earlier that day, Peter had no idea what exactly was going to happen. And so for him now to know suddenly that this was what was spoken of by the prophet Joel, he didn't figure that out by himself. Again, this was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Peter went from being almost clueless about what was going to happen next to complete comprehension of what had just taken place. And it was the Holy Spirit who gave Peter that understanding now about what the prophet had spoken. He preached a very pointed message about Jesus who they had crucified, but who now was resurrected and exalted to God's right hand. And the people, it says, were were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit was not only empowering and enabling Peter in that moment, he was also convicting the people who were listening. Peter didn't have all of this knowledge on his own, but the Holy Spirit working through him helped him to understand what was happening in light of Scripture and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter was not only able then to put it all together, but was able to clearly articulate it to the crowd that was listening. You see, because the Holy Spirit helps us to understand God's Word and speaks to us through God's Word as well. He also then brings to our remembrance, the Bible says, things that we have read in the Bible before that pertain maybe to a current circumstance or situation. The Holy Spirit illuminates or or brings light to the Word of God and, and makes it alive in our hearts and minds. It makes the Bible come alive to us. And I wonder if Peter was now not only remembering, but also relying on Jesus' words from John 14 and verse 26, when Jesus said, however, the the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything that I have ever told you. So not only does the Holy Spirit help us to understand God's Word and its significance in light of the events in our lives, but the Holy Spirit actually literally gives us words to say. Peter didn't just understand the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in light of prophecy all of a sudden, but I believe the Holy Spirit also gave him the words to say as he addressed the crowd that day. So the Holy Spirit working through us takes our inability and our insecurities and replaces them with with insight and inspiration and authority. He gives us words to say like he did with Peter. And so just quickly to recap today, the Holy Spirit with us, the power of the Holy Spirit is no longer only for special people. Now it is for everyone who will receive. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call, the Bible says. And then the Holy Spirit in me, he wants you to experience him personally. And so just surrender, be open, just receive the Holy Spirit into your life. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit through us. This is not just some experience for experience's sake. The Holy Spirit is given so that he can work through us, so that he can give us boldness to share about Jesus and to be his witnesses. The day of Pentecost in Acts 2 was the fulfillment of the Jewish feast of Shavuot, the fulfillment of the giving of the word of God or the Torah, which was the letter of the law, 
And now it's culminating in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit who makes the word alive, who convicts of sin, and who reveals Jesus to us and gives, uh, teaches us and gives us words to say and gives us power to be his witnesses, who literally brings the word to life, the law of the Spirit who gives life, it says in Romans 8 and verse 2, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so if you're not a believer in Jesus today, I believe the Holy Spirit is, is drawing you to him, and the Holy Spirit is, is revealing Jesus to you. And that feeling that you're feeling is, is the Holy Spirit convicting you in your heart. And all you need to do to receive Jesus today is to simply pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and you gave your life so that I could be free and have forgiveness of my sin. I believe you rose again to conquer death and hell. Jesus, forgive me of my sins, the wrong things that I have done and make me a new person in you. Help me to live the way I ought to live so that you are pleased with me in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer with me today, make a comment in the comment section and someone will follow up with you. Or in a moment, listen for your pastor's instructions when they return to the screen. I know someone's going to want to reach out to you and help you with that decision that you have made. If you're already a believer in Jesus, but you're not sure that you've had this, you know, Holy Spirit experience, just receive it today. Just be open. Pray and ask for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't need to be in a room full of people to receive. The Holy Spirit will meet you where you are. You just need to desire and to seek for that experience with him and invite him to come and fill you. And I believe that he can do that right where you are sitting, right at this moment, wherever you are in Canada today. You know, I heard a story recently, a pastor friend mentioned that after a Zoom Bible study and prayer meeting that they had had together with a group, uh, one of the participants in the meeting was home afterwards praying for their Muslim neighbors and began to speak in a language they didn't understand as they were praying. They were just so moved by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they reached out to the pastor after and said, this is what happened. Uh, does this mean something? Is, you know, is there anything going on here? And the pastor was able to explain. This is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And so it can happen to you wherever you are. Another story I remember was of a husband and wife. He was a police officer. She was a nurse. They both worked shift work. And together they had been learning about the Holy Spirit. And they were seeking this experience in their lives. And one night uh, after many times praying together, many times going to the altar at their church when, uh, you know, that was still allowed, uh, they, they were apart. He was working a night shift. And so in his cruiser at the end of his shift, early in the morning, he was praying and the Holy Spirit fell in that car, in that cruiser and filled him with his power. He began to speak in tongues and, and was just amazed at what was happening. He went home and he told his wife and she asked him, you know, what time did that happen? Because as they found out after, right, right around that very same time, she was sitting at the kitchen table having her morning coffee and devotions and the Holy Spirit came to her in the very same way. And so they experienced this wonderful experience apart, but together at the very same time. Isn't that amazing? Folks, the Holy Spirit wants to give you his power 
God wants you to have this experience. And so I invite you to just invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit who teaches us and who leads us, who guides us and reveals truth to us. And thank you for the Holy Spirit who gives us power, empowers us, and makes the Word of God come alive to us and makes us bold witnesses today. And Lord, I pray wherever folk are watching from British Columbia all the way across to Newfoundland this morning, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would minister to those who are reaching out to you right now, and Lord, give them the power of your Holy Spirit, that they would receive the Holy Spirit in this moment. Father, we pray for those who may have made a decision today to follow Jesus for the very first time. Have your hand upon their lives, and Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your Son to die for us. You sent your son so that we could be part of your family and you gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could be his witnesses. Father, we give you praise today and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.